I've already prayed. Uh, I've been at the church praying and getting ready. So I hope you've prayed. Uh, so let's go ahead and let's get into uh, the word of God on tonight. Here's what I want to talk about. Uh, if you saw my message, it was on one of the um, Facebook pages. I told you tonight we want to talk about what it means to thrive through the storm. What does it mean to thrive through the storms? All of us at some point in our lives will have to deal with the storms. And on Sunday morning during the October huddle, uh, Pastor Sean and I were ministering to our partners who were in attendance. And she made a very bold and a very uh, profound statement. In fact, it was, it was so bold and profound to me that I thought about it uh, on Sunday afternoon uh, I thought about it Sunday night. I thought about it Monday and on Tuesday. And I just felt like this was this, this extension that I wanted to share uh, on tonight. And so, again, if you haven't invited somebody here, if you haven't checked in, go ahead and do that. Because I promise you, this is one of those times where this is a word for the house that you're not going to, to want to miss. And one of the things she said, I'll repeat it. She said that God doesn't ever tempt us. She said, but he will test us. Somebody go ahead and put that in the comment section. Say, God doesn't tempt, but he does test. God doesn't tempt, but he does test. In fact, we see this lived out in scripture because in James chapter one, verse 13, we see these words. It says, let no man say when he is tempted that I am tempted of God. It says, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither can God tempt any man with evil. So whenever there is a temptation that comes, it is clear that the believer must understand that the temptation never comes from God. God is not a tempter. God does not dangle a carrot in front of us to see if we will fail. But there are times that God will allow tests to come. Because God is the master teacher and every teacher wants to make sure that the pupil is ready for the next level. And the only way to ascertain that you are ready to go to the next level is to know that you have mastered at that you have mastered what is at that current level. And so God never tempts, but God does test. And then she said, tests are a necessary part of the promotion process. Notice that test everybody who's going to be promoted. It is a part of the necessary process. If you want to be a real estate agent, you have to take a test. If you want to be an attorney, you have to take a test. If you want to be a doctor, you have to take a test. If you want to drive a car, you have to take a test. If you want to carry a handgun, you have to take a test. Everything that requires responsibility and accountability is coupled with a test. She said that tests are a necessary part of the promotion process. As a result of that, I want you to say this tonight. Say, I do not despise the test. I do not despise the test. Why? Because I understand that every promotion will require a test. And a test is different than being tempted. And we'll talk about that and lay that out for you. Now, as soon as she uttered those words, I was standing to her left in the sanctuary on my campus. And I literally heard Holy Spirit say to me, and I said it to you guys who were in service. For those of you who weren't, it may be the first time you heard this. But I heard Holy Spirit say, every test 
is just another platform for progress. Every test is just another platform for progress. And so if God has said to us that this is our year of great progress, then it makes sense that this will also be a year of many tests. Because it's a year of many tests doesn't mean we have to be afraid of the test because, you know, as you matriculated through school, anytime you had studied and prepared, you were confident to take the test. God has been preparing us all this year with all the teachings that he has allowed you to hear and to be a part of. He's laid upon my heart to share, Pastor Sean's heart to share, Chandra's heart to share, Raph's heart to share, Pastor Nitra's heart to share. Everybody who we've brought before you to minister, uh, it, Pastor, Pastor Cynthia, when she was with Pastor Sean in, in different venues, everybody we've brought together to minister to you that has been preparing you to pass the test. See, God has called us to live a life of unlimited possibilities, a life that is both extensive and broad and one that exists without limits. That's why when we were teaching the lesson and we were saying, hey, God wants you to live your life uh, without end. God wants you to have unlimited opportunities. He wants you to have those opportunities, but you must be willing to pass the test. You must be willing to thrive through the storm. But living a lifestyle which is pleasing to God involves our total reliance on him every single day. When we live our daily lives in complete dependence on God, with no self-effort involved at all, we not only give glory to God, but we become equipped to pass any and every test that comes our way. When we take the whole weight of who we are and we lay it on God, what it is doing is ensuring that whatever comes our way, we are attached to something greater than whatever the storm is. We're attached to whatever uh, is greater. We're attached to something greater than whatever the test is. Here at Fellowship of Champions, we understand that we're going to have tests. We understand that we're going to have to face storms. In fact, one of the things you hear us say quite often in this ministry is that being born again does not exempt us of life challenges. I know it's on the screen, but I want you to go ahead and type that out because I want you, your eye gate and your ear gate to grasp hold to that. Being born again, being a born again believer does not exempt me from life's challenges. Being a born again believer, going to a faith church, praying and fasting and tithing and doing all of the things I'm supposed to do, putting all my weight on God, it doesn't exempt me from life's challenges. What it does is ensures that I can overcome them. It ensures that when the storms come, it ensures that when the tests come, that I will not give up cave in and quit and recoil in fear because of the storm and that I will not flunk the test. I will put all of my weight. I will not lean to my own understanding, but I will lean unto the understanding of the Holy Ghost and I will pass every test. In fact, go ahead and type that in the comment section. Say, I pass every test with success. I pass every test with success. See, understand, it is why the word of God teaches us so poignantly in 1 Peter 5 and 8. It tells us to be sober-minded. 
and to watch with diligence. Now look at these words. These aren't just these aren't just words. This means something. He says, "Be sober-minded." In other words, don't have your mind confused. Don't be don't be double-minded. We know that James tells us that if we're double-minded, we are what unstable in all of our ways. He says, "I need you to be sober-minded. Don't be intoxicated with fear or doubt or unbelief." He says, and then watch with diligence. He says, because we have an adversary. You and I have someone who doesn't want to see us win. And the Bible says that he, the devil, prowls around as a roaring lion seeking someone that he can devour. He's looking for someone who's not sober-minded. He's looking for someone who is not watching with diligence. He's looking for someone who is intoxicated with fear, doubt, and unbelief. He's looking for someone he can catch slipping. And if he can catch you slipping, then he's looking to devour you. He's looking to cause the storms of life to overtake you. He's looking to make the test so difficult that you don't even try to finish it. You just give up. We must understand that storms only even come to test our faith. Because remember, God doesn't tempt us, but God will test us. And there are times that we are tested, sometimes because of our own doing, sometimes not of our doing. Regardless to whether the storm comes, regardless to whether the test comes, what the test is never designed for us as believers to fail the test. The test is always designed so that we can ultimately find out who we really are. That's what when, when, when a teacher gives you a test, the reason the teacher gives the, you the test is not just so they can know what you know, but you need to know what you know. You know, and, and, and when I was a teacher, I would sometimes give my students uh, a, what we call a pre-assessment or a pre-test. I would give them a test over a particular chapter that we were going to study so that I could ascertain what they already knew. Because if, 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 if the majority of the class uh, passed questions six, seven, and nine, and six, seven, and nine were similar in structure, I didn't need to spend a lot of time with six, seven, and nine. But if all the class uh, missed question 3, 11, and 15, then I needed to spend a lot of time on 3, 11, and 15. So I gave them a test so that I would also know what they don't know, but they would also know what they don't know. So God allows tests to come, not because he's trying to cause you to fail. He wants you to realize what you don't know so you can know it. So when it shows up the next time, you can be successful. Look, the Bible says this in James chapter 1 verse two through four in the King James Version. It says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying, watch this, of your faith, what does it do? It worketh patience. What is patience? It's not just sitting around and, you know, quesera, sera, whatever happens, happens. No, patience is that word consistency. It says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works consistency. When the storms of life come, when tests comes your way, they work out your consistency. It's easy to be happy when everything is going great. It's easy to get up and, and, and praise the Lord when your bank account got multiple commas in it. It's easy to get up and, and be happy on your way to work when you setting your own schedule and you're your own boss. But when all of that stuff is not going the way you want it to, can you still be consistent? 
Can you still wake up and praise God even when you got to work that third shift for a little while? Can you still wake up and praise God even though you, it looks like it's just enough money to make it to the end of the month? Are you able to still honor and, and, and give God praise and glory even when things aren't going so great? He says the only way that you know that you can reach that level of consistency is that you have to have your faith tested. Verse four says, but let patience, let consistency have her perfect work in you so that you may become perfect and entire wanting nothing. That's what the apostle Paul said when he said, I've learned that I am blessed whether I'm abased and I'm blessed whether I abound. He says, whether I have a lot or I don't have anything, as long as I have Jesus, I have everything I need. And in that, my perfection gets worked out. My perfection gets worked out. See, it's not this idea that, oh, I don't need nothing. No, the idea is if I don't have anything and I have Jesus, I have everything I need. Why? Because with him, he will supply everything I need according to his riches and glory. Now, I want to spend some time with James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4, because we just read that out of the King James Version. But when I was reading this on, on, on Monday night, I, I, me and Pastor Sean was talking and I read it in several translations and I really just want to share them with you. I want you to see them. I want you to hear the, the different points that each of these translations brings up. So the first one we're going to look at is the Passion Translation. Now, now, we just read what it said in King James, but let's look at it in the Passion Translation. Here's what it says. It says, my fellow believers. I got any believers out there tonight? My fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties. This is somebody's testimony. Somebody feel this way. He says, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. He said, when everything seems like everything is just difficult. He said, don't, don't, don't fall into that trap that the enemy has that wants you to just throw your hands down and give up. He said, take the opportunity, the invaluable opportunity and experience the greatest joy that you can. He says, for you know that when your faith is tested, what does it do? It stirs up in you the power of endurance. Some of y'all need some endurance. Some of y'all feel like every time something goes on, you want to give up and quit. You asking God, why me? God, why I got to go through this? Why I can't catch a break? He says, change your perspective. Stop thinking about it in those terms and change your perspective. He says, know this, when your faith gets tested, all it does for the real believer is stares up in them the power of endurance. He says, and then as your endurance grows stronger and stronger, here's what it does, church. It will release perfection. Where? Into every part of your being. Somebody ought to give God some praise tonight. <laughs> he said, it will release perfection into every part of your being until when? Until there is nothing 
missing and nothing lacking. He says, literally, you can have difficulties on every single hand. And if you will learn how to thrive through the storm, he says, you will end up in a place called peace. Nothing missing, nothing broken. A place called Shalom. The devil wants you to give up in the storm. The devil wants you to just quit and throw in your pencil and not finish taking the test. He wants you to cancel yourself out because he can't. He can't cancel you out, but he wants you to do it because if you do it, then you have to eat the fruit thereof. But the Bible tells me, it says, no, no, no. When your faith is tested, know that it's staring up in you the power of endurance. And as that endurance grows and gets stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger, it releases perfection into your life. I declare in the name of Jesus, perfection is being released into your life tonight. I declare that you are being steered up in your faith, that your perfection is being released into every part of your being, and you're going to realize that there is nothing missing and nothing lacking in your life. Do I have any believers out there? Who, glory to God. All you got to do is learn how to thrive through the storm. You can't give up, you can't cave in, and you can't quit. Somebody said that, say, I won't give up, I won't cave in, and I won't quit. I won't give up, I won't cave in, and I won't quit. I will not give up. I will not cave in. I will not quit. Listen, you ought to tag some partners. It's some partners who don't who don't come to the broadcast no more because they feel like ain't nothing working for them. There's some partners who are who are really going through and they ain't said nothing to nobody. You ought to just go ahead and tag them if you ain't seen them in a while and let them know. Listen, you need to get on here. Pastor Strick is talking about how to thrive through the storm. And baby, listen, we living in a place right now. I'm telling you, there are storms that are coming. I don't claim to, you know, I've said this many, many times. I don't claim to be prophetic, but I am telling you there are some economic tough times coming, but they do not have to impact your life. You do not have to be the person who gets caught off guard. You can receive this word tonight. Maybe everything's already going good for you. That's great. But if it's not, you ought to receive this word too. Why? Because God says, all I'm trying to do is stir up in you that power of endurance. Glory to God. All right. That's the passion translation. So let's look at this next one. This is the message translation. This is still James 1, 2 through 4. I encourage you to read several of these this week. James 1, 2 through 4 in the message translation says this. It says, consider it a sheer gift, friends, that when tests and challenges come at you from all sides, you know that under pressure, see, pressure is going to come. Under pressure, what happened? Your faith life is what? Forced out into the open and shows its true colors. Glory to God. Some of y'all ought to be saying, you know what? Bring on the storms. Bring on the test. Why? Because when it happens, all it's going to do is force out of me my faith life. My, my true colors are going to show up. Give me a bad doctor's report. My true colors going to show up. Let me get laid off. My true colors going to show up. Let me have some issues in my marriage. Watch my true colors show up. I'm about to allow this. Devil, you think you squeezing me, trying to kill me, but all you're doing is squeezing me and allowing my faith to show up in a way that I didn't even know I had. Why? Because I trust God. Glory to God. He says, so don't try to get out of anything prematurely. 
Don't try. Don't, 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 don't go in your closet and pray, Lord, remove this bitter cup from me. Lord, help me. Lord, Jesus. Lord, Jesus. Lord. No, 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 no. Stand firm in the face of adversity. Stand firm when the storms come. Stand firm when you got to take the test. He says, and when you do, he says, your faith life will be pressed out or forced out into the open and it'll show you your true colors. See, some of y'all think you got faith, but you only got faith because you ain't been tested. You don't know what kind of faith you have until your faith gets tested. Once your faith is tested, then you can say, see, even when they were by, everybody else was telling me to give up on God, I didn't give up on God. That's what happened to Job. You know the story of you know the story of Job. The Bible says that in, in, in Job, Job lost everything. He lost his house, he lost his cattle, he lost his kids. And the only thing Job was left with, the only thing Job was left with was a couple of friends and a wife who basically told him, Look, man, you ought to just curse God and die. But Job said, No, uh-uh. Mm-mm. Uh-uh. When I lost the cattle, when I lost my when I lost my kids. When I got the bulls on my body, when the devil was given permission to do everything he wanted to to me, but take my life, I still know God is who he says he is. And as a result, Job stayed there and he kept fighting through the storm. He kept passing the test. And the Bible says that literally he got back everything and then some that he had lost, but he never cursed God. He never turned his back on God. He never denounced God. He never blamed God. And some of you right now, you could turn your life around if you stop blaming God. You turn, well, I lost my mother. I lost my father. That wasn't God's fault. Well, I didn't get the job. That ain't God's fault. Well, I didn't get the man or the woman that I want. That ain't God's fault. If it was a test, then God, I'm standing with you. I'm not going to be moved. I'm going to be, I'm going to set my face like flint. I'm going to stay right here because God, what I know is that in the end, everything I need is met in you. You will push me to perfection. He says, so don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work. So you become what? Mature and well-developed, not deficient. Do you see this last part? I'm going to let somebody just see this last part for a second before I even read it. I just want you to just look, just look at it. So that you will be what? Not deficient in any way. Somebody declare, I'm not deficient. Somebody declare, I'm not deficient. What does that mean, Pastor? That means I'm never without. That means I ain't ever coming up short. Today is the brokest I'll ever be. The rest of my life, I'll never, I'll never be this broke again. Whatever it is today, I'll never be this broke. This is the sickest I'll ever be. I'll never be sicker than I am today. Why? Because I will not be deficient. I will not be lacking. I will not come up short in any way. In any way. Glory to God. All right, let's finish with the mirror translation. I'm going to finish with the mirror translation. Now, I, the mirror translation is a little deep, but I like this one. Notice what it says. It says temptations and contradictions. They come in different shapes, sizes, and intervals. Don't Ain't that the truth? Ain't that the truth? Listen, it, it, listen, what I face ain't what said face. What said face ain't what, ain't what chastity face. What chastity face ain't what Everett face. What Everett face ain't what my mama face. What my mama face ain't what Brenda face. 
Well, Brenda face ain't what Sean face. Listen, they come in different shapes, in different sizes, in different intervals. But be clear, their intentions are all the same. <laughs> Glory to God. It is always to suck you into their energy field. They want you to be as doubtful and as unbelievable as it is. That temptation wants to suck you into its energy field. It wants to pull you from light over into darkness. Glory to God, I done preached myself happy. Listen, it wants to pull you. It wants to grab you and take you from the winning side and pull you all the way over to the losing side. The Bible says, however, I like that, however. That means, I, that means I got some choice in this thing. He says, however, my friends, your joy in who you are, or your, it says, however, my friends, your joy in who you know you are, it leads you out triumphantly every single time. How do you get the win? By knowing who you are. Pastor Sean has said so many times, the Lord wants to reintroduce you to yourself. Why does the Lord want to reintroduce you to yourself so you know who you are? Somebody go ahead and declare that tonight. Say, I know who I am in Christ. Say, I know who I am in Christ. Glory to God. I know who I am in Christ. And because of that, he says, it's going to lead that knowing that, knowing who Christ is in you, who you are in Christ, it leads you out triumphantly every single time. Verse three says this, here is the secret. It says, joy is not something you have to fake. Glory to God. I ain't got to fake this joy, y'all. Forget all that fake it till you make it. I don't have to do that. All I have to know is who I am in Christ. He says the secret is joy is not something that you have to fake. I ain't making this up. This is in the word. It says it is the fruit of what your faith knows to be true about you. My God, today, if your faith knows who you are in Christ Jesus, you can be happy in any situation. You ain't ever got to be, you ain't ever got to be down and depressed. Listen, I'm one of those people, I don't like daylight savings time when it changes and it has to go back an hour and it gets dark at five o'clock. But I decided years ago, I was not going to allow daylight savings time or the ending of daylight savings time, I guess it's really called. I was not going to allow that thing to mess with my attitude. I wasn't going to snap at my wife. I wasn't going to bark at my kids. I wasn't going to be mean and pitiful because the time changed. Why? Because the secret is, is that I got God in daylight savings time and I got God when the time goes backwards, when the time goes forward. And if I fly and change time zone, it's the same God. My joy is the fruit, glory to God. It is the fruit of my faith and what my faith knows about me. The Bible says, you know that the proof the proof, because uh, Bishop Iedipo says it like this, your, your faith must have proof. If your faith doesn't have any proof, we don't know that you actually have any faith. He says, you know that the proof of faith results in a persuasion that remains, ooh, watch this, constant in contradiction. <laughs> Glory to God. I wish I had somebody in the building with me tonight. Listen, watch this. He says, you know that the proof of faith results in a persuasion that remains constant in contradiction. 
That means that even when things are not going the way I want them to, even when things are, are helter-skelter and, 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 and everything is going crazy all around me, my faith doesn't move. The proof of my faith is that the result of my faith is that it remains constant in the face of contradiction. But pastor, how can you give God praise when the doctor just diagnosed you with cancer? Because it stays constant in contradiction. How can you give God praise when you just lost the baby at six months in your belly? Because I remain constant in contradiction. But how can you still be praising God when the man or the woman you said you love just told you they wanted a divorce? Because I remain constant in contradiction. No matter what's going on in my life, glory to God. I remain constant in contradiction. My faith doesn't move because I don't walk by sight. I walk by faith. I don't live my life based on this temporal realm. Just because I can taste it, just because I can smell it, just because I can see it, just because I can feel it, just because I can hear it. Those things are subject to change. But what's not subject to change is the word of God. The Bible says heaven and hell would pass away before a single one of his words would change. So if I stand on God's word, I can remain constant in contradiction. Glory to God. It says this in verse four, steadfastness, glory to God. It provides you with a constant environment. A consistent, a consistent environment. Steadfastness provides you with a consistent environment. And so patience, consistency prevails and proves your perfection. How entirely whole you are and without any shortfall. Glory to God. Somebody go ahead and type that in the comment. Say, I have no shortfalls. I don't have any shortfalls in my finances. I don't have any shortfall in my health. I ain't got no shortfalls on my job. I don't have any shortfalls in my mental faculties. I don't have any shortfalls in my physical body. I have no shortfalls. Is this making sense to anybody out there tonight? I'm preaching myself happy. I don't know. Listen, I don't know about you, but this just stared me up on Sunday when Pastor Rashandra Dennis Strickland said, God will not tempt you, but he will test you. Because I have known this to be true, but I wasn't sure I could articulate it that way. And when I heard the Holy Spirit say, just know every test is a platform for your progress. And I said, God, what does that mean? He said, learn to thrive through the storms. Oh, glory to God. We must realize that what separates those who survive the storms and those who don't has nothing to do with what their lives, it has, it has everything to do with what their lives have been built on. Understand this, everybody faces a storm. Folk who are saved face storms and folks who are not saved face storms. But we must realize that the thing that separates those two from those who survive the storms and those who don't, it has everything to do with what their, with what their lives have been built on. In order to live a life without limits, we must be willing to do things God's way. In today's culture, the lines that divide what is right and what is wrong are constantly being blurred more and more every single day. And as I said on Sunday, while there may be ambiguity in the world, there is no ambiguity in the word of God. 
You, the, the world will tell you, oh, well, this used to be the standard, but now this is the standard. All this used to be the thing that people said was wrong, but now that ain't wrong no more. Listen, all of that stuff can change, but God's word is consistent. There, God's word is not ambiguous. We know what it says. It means what it means. Just as we've seen many times before in the word of God, I said this on Sunday too, that there's always a choice between twos. God's going to always give us a choice. In the midst of the storm, we always have a choice. The choice is to trust God or to lean to our own understanding. We see this with Peter. When Peter was, was, was out on the water and Jesus was walking toward him, and as Jesus was walking toward him, Peter said, Lord, is that you? He said, if it be you, then bid me to come. Well, the Lord couldn't say, well, don't come because it ain't me because it was him. The Bible said the, the Lord can't lie. So he says, it's me. Come. And the Bible says that Peter began to defy physics. That he began to, to, to walk on water. The Bible says that as he was walking on the water, watch this, the enemy did not want Peter to understand and recognize the supernatural ability that he had. So what did he do? He used the environment. He used what was around to try to stir up Peter's uh, vision. The Bible says the wind started to blow, the waves started to raise. And as Peter took his eyes off of Jesus and he began to look at the storm and he began to look at the wave, the Bible says he began to sink. Why? Because in the midst of the storm, your eyes need to be focused on the one who has dominion over the storm. And the Bible says that Jesus reached out his hand and grabbed him. And here's the good thing about that story. We talk about Peter and how he looked away from Jesus and he began to sink. But we never, we, we don't spend enough time talking about how Jesus will grab you in the midst of the storm. That even, even if you ain't doing it 100% right and you begin to sink, the Bible says Jesus was there and reached out and grabbed Peter's hand. Some of you are going through some stuff right now. You ought to let the Lord grab your hand. You ought to let the Lord reach out and grab hope to you tonight. But he always gives us a choice between twos. He says you can have life or death. You can have heaven or hell. You can choose God or Baal. You can be a sheep or a goat. Or you can be wheat or you can be tear. He says you can take the narrow way or you can take the broad way. The choice has been laid down plainly for all of us. But be clear, there is no third option. Hear me when I say that. There is no third option. You will either trust God or not trust God. There is no in-between. The same thing is true uh, with how we live today. It will either be a life lived with limits or it be a, 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 an unconquerable obstacles in our life, or it will be a life that, that we live that God intended for us to live that is limitless and ever increasing. Somebody go ahead and type this in the comment section. Say, I live the ever-increasing life. I live the ever-increasing life. Listen, Pastor Sean read this scripture on Sunday, Proverbs 4 and 12 in the Passion Translation. It says, your progress will have no limits when you come along with me. And you will never stumble as you walk along the way. It, listen, no matter what storm comes your way. No matter what test you have to try to overcome, if you will rely on the word of God, he says your progress will not have limits. When you come along with me, you won't even stumble. 
as you walk along the way to greater and greater progress. I want us to take a look at Matthew chapter 7. It's a familiar text, Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, since we're talking about thriving through the storm. Somebody go ahead, type that in the comment section. Say, I thrive through the storms. I thrive through the storms. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 says, whoever hears these teachings of mine and obeys them is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. It rained hard. The floods came and the winds blew and it beat against that house. But it did not fall because it was built on a rock. Whoever hears these teachings of mine and does not obey them, that person is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. For it rained hard, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and great was the fall of it. Now notice, we're going to talk about this because there were two houses. One was built on rock, one was built on sand. But the Bible says in verse 25, it rained hard, the floods came, and the wind blew. And then when it described the other house in verse 27, it said it rained hard, the floods came, and the winds blew. So it wasn't the storm that was the determining factor. Oh, glory to God. It was what the, it was what the houses were built on. Because the same storm came to the house that was built on the rock. The same storm came to the house that was built on the sand. Again, it said it rained hard, the floods came, and the winds blew to the house that was built on the rock. When it talks about the house that was built on the sand, it said it rained hard, the floods came, and the winds blew. So what is it that reveals the difference between the two foundations that the two houses were built on? The difference is one was built on something solid, a.k.a. the word of God, the other one was built on sand, today's present morality, which is subject to change. The test or the storm in life will always reveal to you what you are made of. The test or the storm will always reveal to you what you are made of. What you put your faith in, what you put your hope in, and what you put your love in. The storm sweeps away the wicked, but the righteous always stand. How do I know that? Look at Proverbs 10, 25. Proverbs 10, 25 says, when the storm has swept by. See, because it, it, we're all living in this world together. We're all houses. So it's going to rain hard. <laughs> the flood's going to rise and the wind's going to blow on all of us. It says, but when the storm has passed by, when the storm has swept by, the wicked are what? Gone. But the righteous would stand firm forever. So you get to choose one of the two. Are you going to be the righteous that's standing or the wicked who gets swept up in the storm? Matthew chapter 5, verse 45 says this. It says, God makes his sons rise on the wicked and on the good. Now watch this. It says, God himself, he makes the sun come up and when the sun comes up, it shines on both the wicked and the good. He says, and, and there are times that God allows the rain to come. And when the rain falls, guess what? It falls on the upright and on who? The wrongdoers. So, so the storms of life are going to come. 
You just need to be prepared. Stop telling yourself that you're just going to live in a bubble and hope nothing ever comes your way. No, the things that come your way make you stronger if you learn to thrive through the storm. A storm is just a metaphor for severe trials and or tribulations that all of us must face. Remember, we said that being born again does not exempt us of life challenges. Remember, we read in John 16, 33 earlier where it says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. He says, in this world, you will have what? Trouble? Now, now notice, this is Jesus telling us. So what do you mean you don't understand why you're going through something? Jesus says, in this world, you're going to have trouble. He says, but take heart. I wish if you got a Bible, you ought to underline that part. But take heart. In other words, grab hold to your heart. Grab hold to your faculties. Stir up your faith. Let the power of endurance raise up in you. He says, don't you dare punk out. He says, I have already overcome the world. Somebody give God some praise. You ought to just give God some praise. You're already winning. That's why God says you're already blessed. That's why God says you're already ready. That's why God says you're already winning. Why? Because he says, I've over all, he says, in the world, you got to face some stuff. You got to go through some stuff. He says, but you ain't got to panic. You ain't got to give up, cave in or quit. I've already overcome the world. And if you're in me, you've already overcome the world. Understand this, the storm will reveal where you take heart. Glory to God. The storm will reveal where you take heart. Do we trust in ourselves? Do we trust in the government? Do we trust in our money? Do we trust in our own education? Do we really put our trust in our own skills, our own strength, our own creativity, our own intelligence, or do we trust God? I got about 56 people on here. I wish I had 56 people who said, I trust God. I trust God. I don't trust myself. I don't trust the government. I don't trust in money. I don't trust in my skills. I don't trust in my education. I don't trust in my own strength. I don't trust in my creativity. I don't trust in my intelligence. I trust God. And you better trust God because the storms come from the world. And you can't fight the world with the world. <laughs> the storms come from the world. It makes sense that, that, that you would trust in something that's greater than the world. And so I have to put my trust in God. Yes, I trust God. I love seeing you guys put that in there. I trust God. Now understand this. A storm can come in many forms. A storm can come in many forms. It may come in the form of disease. It may come in the form of, 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 of like a diagnosis. It may come in the form of a financial crisis. It may come in the form of a death in the family. Uh, it may come in the form of some natural disaster. Uh, you may have a car accident. You could lose a house. Uh, any kind of challenge. A, a storm can be anything that comes against your well-being. It may come in the form of corruption. It can come in the form of, of temptation. Now, when it comes in the form of temptation, no, God did not bring temptation. But watch this. The Bible says that when temptation comes, God has already made a way of escape. 
That's how you know temptation doesn't come from the Lord because God wouldn't give you temptation and give you a way to escape it. He says, listen, I know that the enemy is out there. You have an adversary. So when temptation shows up, I'm going to give you a way to escape it. He says, and when the test comes, I'm going to give you a way to pass it. And when the storms come, I'm going to give you a way to thrive through it. Sometimes people forget who they should rely on in life. And the storm is necessary sometimes to remind them. If it weren't for the storm, Jonah wouldn't have been, Jonah would have, would have, have been swallowed by the great fish and, and thought that, you know what, maybe it's not such a bad idea that I go and obey God. See, there are some things that we do that cause the storms. When Jonah was told he needed to go preach at Nineveh, and he says, no, I don't want to preach to them. I'm going to go somewhere else. The Bible says he got in the boat and went someplace else. But in doing so, he was swallowed by a great fish. And in three days, in three days of being in the belly of that fish, it, it, the Bible says he came to himself. And when he came to himself, that the fish vomited him up. And when it did, he got himself together and he went and obeyed God. Don't find yourself in the belly of a fish before you decide to obey God. Just obey God. Because if you obey God, there are some storms you can avoid. Y'all remember we talked about Job's storm earlier. And when we talked about Job's storm, we talked about how he endured. Understand, you must learn to endure. The, uh, Paul told Timothy, he said, you got to learn to endure hardship as a good soldier. See, so it, when, when you are a soldier and we sing that song, I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. Well, soldiers don't turn and tuck tail every time something go wrong. You must learn to endure. You must learn to survive. You must learn to overcome. And you must be a person who understands God wants you to thrive through the storm. You got to become resolute. You got to become a person who's willing to stand in the midst of the storm. But how do you stand in the midst of the storm? Because you can't just be a hero of God's word. You must be a doer of God's word. Look at what the Bible says in James 1, 22. In James 1, 22, he says, but be ye doers of the word and not what? Hearers only, deceiving your own self. You must learn to put faith into action. You got to prove to yourself that you believe what you say you believe by having some corresponding action. If the Bible teaches you to tithe, we know you believe it because you tithe. If the word tells you to pray, we know you believe it because you pray. If the word tells you to love, we know you do. We know you believe it because you love. If we hear the gospel telling us that we shouldn't judge, we shouldn't lie, we shouldn't complain, we shouldn't covet, we shouldn't gossip, we shouldn't steal, lust, hate, or doubt, then we don't do those things. If we hear that we are to help the helpless, we are to feed the hungry. We are to provide for the poor. We are to pray for the sick. We are to encourage the, those in despair. We are to visit those that are lonely. Then we don't merely hear it, but we hear it and do it. How do you thrive through the storm? By doing the word. So what separates the wise man from the foolish man in the story that we, were, er, in the story that we read earlier? Both houses look good before the storm. Right now, there's a lot of folk out there 
and everybody looking good. Folk who serving God look good, and folk who saying they ain't got nothing to do with God looking good. They driving good, they living good. They talking about I, I, I I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. They talking about all oh, it's multiple ways to get to the to get to heaven. I don't want to offend nobody. I don't do I only do Christianity. Everybody looking good, but when the storm comes, everybody doesn't finish good. Because the Bible says in Proverbs, we read it earlier, it says that when the storm is over, it says the righteous are going to stand, but the wicked is going to fall. So let me give you these three things. Let me give you these three things in which you can thrive through the storms of life. I'm not going to finish this message uh, tonight. I may have to I may have to come back next Wednesday and finish it because I really I really want to take the time to give it to you. And I don't want to rush and I got some more. But let me give you these three things and we're going to get out the way. I want to give you three ways in which you can thrive through the storms of life. Are you ready? Number one, you got to be willing to face the storm. Make that declaration. Say, I'm willing to face the storm. If you're going to win a football game, you know what you first got to do? Show up. You got to take the field. You uh, listen. There are some. There are you, you, people know. I like the University of Alabama football team. More importantly, I like Nick Saban as a coach. Okay, so I cheer for Alabama. All right, but here is the thing: there was a time where folks lost the game against Alabama before they ever stepped on the field. They lost the game before they ever stepped on the field. Why? Because they knew in their minds they couldn't beat them. Even if they could beat them, they decided they couldn't. But now you start to see the parity in college football, right? Now you start to see all kind of teams who done went through this, this, this sports management, uh, this learning, this sports psychology learning, where they understand that half of the battle is believing that you can. And so, you, you know, we, we talk all the time about the four things, right, that you need to tame. We talk about those, right? One of those things is you need to tame your what? Thoughts. Well, the first thing you got to do to thrive through the storm is tame your thoughts. You got to show up to at least face the storm. You must be resolute in your conviction and you cannot be swayed by what you see happening around you. Let me say that again. You must become resolute in your conviction and you cannot be swayed by what is happening around you. You have to be willing to face the storms. The Bible says in Jeremiah 25, Verse 32, and I believe this speaks to us today. It says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Look, disaster is spreading from nation to nation. A mighty storm is rising from the ends of the earth. Listen, I, it's almost like this word is literally for us on November 2nd, uh, November, November 2nd, 2022. It says, this is what the Lord Almighty is saying. Be aware, disaster in this world is spreading from nation to nation. And a mighty storm is rising from the ends of the earth. I like what it says in the message translation. It says, prepare for the worst. Doomsday. Disaster is spreading from nation to nation. A huge what? Storm 
is about to rage all across planet Earth. And listen, you can hear this word. You don't have to be in fear. All you got to know is the same God that got you through the last storm is the same God that will get you through the next storm. But you got to be willing to face the storm. Pastor Edwin, what's an example of that? The three Hebrew boys. We see the example of the three Hebrew boys. They were resolute in their convictions. Despite facing the crisis of being thrown in the fiery furnace, they knew God had instructed them not to worship other gods besides him. And they held on to their convictions and God without any certainty at all that God would actually deliver them. They, they believed he would, they hoped he would, but they weren't sure in, in, in the sense that they had seen God do it before. But what they did know is that even if God did not deliver them, praise God, even if God did not deliver them, they weren't going to bow down to the king. Here's what the Bible says in Daniel 3, 16 through 18. It's not on your screen, but I'm just going to, to read it. It says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this manner. He says, if this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from your burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. I love verse 18. He says, but if not, <laughs> glory to God, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your God or worship the golden image that you have set up. He says, notice this. Even if the God we serve cannot or will not deliver us, we won't ever stop serving him even to save our own lives. I wish I had about five folk who could testify to that. I don't care if I lose a job. I don't care if everybody, if everybody turn their back on me. I don't care if the bank account dry up. I don't care if my name get ran through the mud. What I know is I'm not going to turn my back on God in order to please me. And the Bible says, and you know the story, they ended up in that fiery furnace. And the king said, wait, did y'all not throw three men in there? He says, why is it a fourth one in there? And the fourth one looks like the son of God. The Bible says that when they got them out of the fiery furnace, Watch this. It said you couldn't even smell the smoke on them. I am telling you, when you go through the storm, listen, when people start looking at you, they're going to say, baby, you don't look like what you've been through. That's right, because I have been thriving through the storm. I'm not just barely making it, baby. This storm came, and I'm better today than I was when the storm showed up. The Bible says that those three boys went into that fiery furnace and when they came out, they came out giving God glory and praise and the smell of smoke. What you've been through won't even be on you anymore. Glory to God. So you got to learn to face the storms. I was reading something this week and I'm going to share it real quick because most people don't face the storms because they're afraid. Most people are in fear when the storm comes. And, and, and Burner Educational Group did some research and I was reading and they gave this list of five things, five things. Stay with me for just a second. Five things that most Christians are afraid of today. Let me give them to you. Number one, being stuck in a job they do not enjoy or find fulfillment in. 
And for a lot of you, that's the test. For a lot of you, that's the test. You're, you're, you're in a place, you're stuck. God has told you to ask him for something else, but you're so comfortable in being stuck, you won't even owe, you won't even ask God to move you to someplace else. So he said the number one fear that a lot of, these are Christians. These are not just, you know, these are the five things, those who say they trust and believe and love God, what they are fearful of. Being stuck in a job they don't enjoy or find fulfillment in. Number two, not having enough money to live comfortably. Not as, as, as inflation goes up, somebody was joking the other day and I, I, and I reshared their post, Little Debbie's used to be two for a dollar. Now they are $1.69 and about half the size. That's true of Little Debbie. That's true of everything. Yeah, everything is going up faster than most people are making more money. And so a fear that the enemy uses is that they won't have enough to live comfortably. Your God won't come through for you. You're going to serve your God, but yet he's not going to have enough wherewithal to provide for you. That's a last straight from the pit of hell. Number three, things that Christians are most afraid of. Never being able to afford to buy a home. Interest rate. Listen, listen look at it. Interest rate. The feds raised the interest rate again. Another 0.75. Interest rates are higher. That means what you could have bought a house for back in back in March, now your, your payment would be about double that. Interest rates are going up. People are afraid. They're not going to be able to buy a house. So you mean to tell me that the same God who was able to, to save and deliver you can't provide to get you a house? It's what the enemy wants to play with on your mind. Okay, let's go to the next one. Number four. You got to face the storm. What else do you got to face? The fourth, fourth fear. People are afraid that they will not reach their full potential. Watch this. And will be compared to other people who do. Comparison is one of the biggest killers in the body of Christ. It's one of the biggest killers in the body of Christ. We live in an age of social media. Folks are out here making their life look spectacular. And you believe in it. <laughs> you so listen, listen. I, I, if you look at my life, you would think I never have any problems. Why? Because I don't post my problems. That don't mean I don't have them, but I don't post my problems. Most people don't post their problems. So you're looking at other people's lives, which is not even the totality of their life. And you're talking about how you're not going to reach your full potential, how you're going to be compared to your peers who's reached their full potential, but their full potential is only the potential you see on Facebook. Get out of here. <laughs> but the enemy uses that to torment you. Do you see that? Do you see how he uses that fear to torment you? You got to learn to face the storm. And then number five, number five, not being able to find real love. Oh, glory. He is, he is wearing the saints out. He is wearing the saints out. L listen, let's just talk about it. Let's just talk. I, I'll come back and I'll come back and, and teach you three things later. But let, I want I want to just put a pen right here and talk about this. You got Christian pastors. You got folks who call themselves prophets and prophetess. You got people who have platforms, large platforms, 
telling people that it is okay if you want to participate in fornication. Because if you try to do this thing God's way, you're going to end up by yourself. You, you literally got the enemy tormenting people in their minds who are saying things like, I can't find love with a woman, so I guess I'll just go find another man. I can't find love with a, with a man, so I just go find another woman. I can't find love with one man, so me and my best friend, we'll share a man. Y'all ain't gonna say nothing. I'm preaching. I am preaching better than you saying amen. He is using the fear that you won't be able to find real love to get you to sin and live a life outside the will of God. God, listen, you gotta face the storm. You cannot buy into this attitude that somehow you have to compromise in order to get what God has promised. You do not have to compromise to get what God has promised. You got folk in the body of Christ talking about they, they polygamists. In the body of Christ. Listen, I expect the world to do crazy stuff. I expect the world to do all kind of imaginable things. Those who don't know God, I don't, I, I understand it. But you got folk who say they love the Lord, five baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking tongues, talking about, well, you know, don't nobody buy a car if you don't test drive it first. What if I marry him? And he don't know what he doing. What if I marry her and she don't satisfy me sexually? Listen, ask God what you need. And he will give it to you. But you first have to believe that he will give you the desires of your heart if you live the right way. So number one, you have to face the fear. You got to face the storm. I'm going to close with this scripture. First John 4, 18. 1 John 4.18 says this, there is no fear. Where? In love. Why? Because perfect love casts out fear. Because fear storms, tests, and trials inherently bring with them torment. And if you give into the test, if you give into the trial, if you give into the storm, then you will give into fear. He says, so don't do it. Stay rooted and grounded in me. I am perfect love. I cast fear out of doors. It says, he that feareth, he that, that, that gives into the storm, it says, he is not made perfect in love. I want to read this out of the mirror translation. It says, fear cannot coexist in this love realm. Somebody ought to type that in the comment. Fear cannot coexist in this love realm. It absolutely cannot. Wherever you are, wherever God is, fear cannot exist. There is no fear in love. Love expels fear out of doors. It says, fear 
cannot coexist in this love realm. The perfect love union that we are talking about, here's what it does, church. It expels fear. Fear holds on, gosh, to an expectation of crisis. That's what fear does. Fear attaches you. My God, are y'all listening to me tonight? Fear adjoins you with an expectation of crisis and judgment. It says, which brings separation. And it interprets it, watch this, as a due punishment. I, I, I don't know. I, I wish I could open your brains and pour this into you. It says fear holds on to an expectation of crisis. And it interprets it as due punishment, a form of karma. And then it says it echoes torment and only registers in someone who does not yet realize, my God, the completeness of their love union. Do you remember when Pastor Sean and I spent all that time preaching that message about you are complete in Christ? We spent an entire series talking about you are complete in Christ. He says, fear speaks. And what it does is it doesn't echo. And it just keeps echoing until it finds somebody that it can rest with. You ever been in a mountain area and you say your name and you'd be like, say it. It goes, say it, say it, say it, say it, say it, say it. It just keeps going over and over again. That's what fear does. Fear says, you're not going to make it. 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 Until fear finds someone who is not complete. They don't realize their completeness because you are complete in Christ. But you don't realize your completeness in his love union. It says, and because you don't realize that, then that word that goes forth entangles you. And as a result, you grab hold to something that never belonged to you. Fear echoes a word and you grab hold to it because you did not realize your completeness in Christ. You didn't realize that you were complete with the Father. You didn't realize you were complete with the Son. You didn't realize you were complete with Holy Spirit. You didn't realize it. And as a result of not realizing it, then you didn't realize you had the power to face the storm. Listen, I'm going to end right here. I'm going to end right here. I, I know we got two more things to cover, and I got some other things to cover, and, and we'll come back uh, maybe next week. We'll check and see. But listen, this is enough for you to study this week. This is enough for you to study. This is enough for you to study this week. I, I'll go ahead and tell you uh, the, the, the second thing was living obedience. The second thing was living obedience. You got to live in obedience. The first thing you got to do is face the storm. Second thing you got to do is you got to live in obedience. We did a whole message on that. So for next week, if you don't do anything else, you can study those two things. Amen. Listen, I thank y'all for hanging in there. It's 910. My hour is up. I wanted to be mindful of your time. But I just I've been staring myself up. This is what I'm teaching right now. And usually I don't teach what I'm studying until after I studied it. But I just get so stared up about how awesome our God is and how, how he's given us the ability to thrive through storms. There is no test too big for our God. There is nothing too hard for our God. If we walk, if we are face the storm and walk in obedience, 
Then the third thing is easy. We make the storm our platform. Those are the three things. We make the storm our platform. How do you make the storm your platform? Your platform. You stand on top of it. You thrive through it. And next week when I come back, what I want to do is I want to talk to you specifically about how you do that third thing. How do you make the storm your platform? Amen. Listen, let's run through our announcements real quick. Today is Wednesday. And so our next opportunity to get together will be on Friday morning. Friday morning, join us at 6.30 a.m. Central Standard Time, okay? Central Standard Time for Champion Circle. It's one of the times during the week. We come together twice during the week to pray. This is one of those times. The champions show up at 6.30. Listen, the other week we had 77 people on. I would love to get to 80. I would love to get to 80. Will you join me this Friday morning? Will you join us this Friday morning? Let's get to 80 people. Even if you got to turn it on and you got to walk around and be getting dressed and getting coffee or whatever you're doing, turn it on. Join us. Let's get to 80 this week. Amen. And then, as you know, uh, on Saturday, we ask you to spend time with your family to relax and have a good time and get rested. On Sunday morning, remember, there will be no Christian Valley worship this Sunday morning. Uh, her and Elder Nagel are celebrating their anniversary. Praise God for them. But listen, you're going to be in for a treat because I am actually not going to be here this Sunday and neither is Pastor Sean. That means you get to hear from Pastor Ralph. And listen, you know Pastor Ralph going to bring the fire so you don't want to miss it. So join us on Sunday mornings. Typically, we're on at 930. This week, it'll be Pastor Ralph. He's going to come. He's going to share the word. You're going to be blessed. You're going to have a great week. And then on Monday uh, is typically uh, Strategies for Success. I don't think my wife is going to be doing strategies for success. She may do it from the beach. I don't know uh, because we're going to take us a short little vacation and enjoy ourselves and, and get rested up and get ready for this fire experience in December. But she may do that. She may not. So you just have to make sure that you are uh, friends with her on Facebook, on her private page. I mean, on her general page and her business page. And if you, she comes on, then she'll be on there for Strategy for Success at 12 noon. Uh, I won't. I'll be on, on the beach. And then on Tuesday, <laughs> you know, on Tuesday, we come together uh, and we have prayer, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time uh, on Tuesday night. Uh, we know that something supernatural happens when we pray. Something supernatural happens when we pray. And then we'll be back here on Wednesday for Ignite at 7 p.m., and then uh, I think I'm going to be back with you next week. I think I want to come back. I'm going to talk to the powers that be and see if they'll let me come back. Uh, and I'm going to teach again uh, next Wednesday because I really want to want to want to finish up uh, some of this teaching. The powers that be said, yes, praise God. All right. So I'm going to come back next Wednesday and, I, and we're going to finish up this teaching. Listen, I want you thriving. I want you being successful in every way. I, I, I want everything that God has called for you to come to pass in your life. It is my passion for you. Do you hear me? It's my passion for you that you be all that God's called you to be, that you receive all that God has called, called for you to receive, that God does something great in you, that God does something great through you, and that God does something great for you. I want all of those things to happen. Now, as I get ready to jump off of here, I want you to do one thing for me. Before you before you go or whatever you got to do, 
Tell me one thing you got out of this. I'm going to go back and read the comments later on tonight. I may read some of them on the plane tomorrow, but I want to know because it's going to help guide my teaching for next week. Let me know what you got out of this. Let me know what you're going to do differently. Let me know what God said to you. What did Holy Spirit say to you about facing your storms? What did he say to you about not giving up, caving in and quitting on the test that's before you? What is God saying to you? What are you going to do differently as a result of hearing this word? I don't want you to just say, whoa, Pastor Edwin was excited. I want to know what you're going to do about it, though. I want to know how you can improve and how I can help you. Because that's my job as your pastor, is to help you be able to walk out the very things that God has called you to. Amen. Listen, love you guys. Appreciate y'all for staying on here the whole time. Listen, be blessed. As you saw, if you want to be a part of the Fellowship of Champions Church International, some of you may have been a first-time visitor and say, I really enjoyed this guy. You know, he's pretty passionate about this. Listen, we're all passionate at FOC because we are serious about God. We have fun. We love it on each other. Uh, we, we, we celebrate each other. We want each other to win, but we trust in God. So if you want to be a partner, you can do that. If you want to give, there's ways to do that on your screen. And listen, you can't beat God's giving. I tell people all the time, you can't beat God's giving. The life that I get the chance to live right now is a total result of my faithfulness to God where my giving is concerned. Amen. And so you can give to give LaFi. Uh, push, pay, tidily, text to give, uh, or PayPal. And listen, I'm, I don't usually always say this, but I'm going to say, if you are blessed by the word tonight, you ought to sow. Even if it's just an offering, if you are blessed by the word, you ought to sow. Not into me. If you are blessed by Fellowship of Champion providing this platform for you to be able to receive the word, you ought to use Givelify, use PushPay, use Tidely, use text to give or use PayPal if you're an international partner, and you ought to sow tonight. You ought to sow into the seed. And here's, your, here's what you're sowing for. Tonight's seed is overcoming the storm seed. You ought to sow and you ought to name it overcoming the storms. I declare in Jesus' name, there will never be a storm that you will face that will ever take you under. You'll pass every test and you will come out without the stench of the storm or the stench of the test on your life. Amen. Listen, love you guys. God bless you. Y'all have a wonderful week. Be blessed. Join us on Friday morning and then join us on Sunday morning for the word of God. Amen. God bless. It's okay. Don't worry about it. <laughs>